Hey everyone, uh, welcome to Promethean Tides, uh, where we discuss uh, politics, philosophy, science, and um, uh, anything, anything uh, in between. Uh, I am General, and uh, this is Breaker. Hello, Breaker. How are you doing? And what we also discuss is America and jobs and, you know, the thing. And, like, maybe maybe we can just, like, give $40 billion to, to Ukraine and, and, like, I'll only take, like, 10% of it and, and, and put it into my, my, my little offshore bank account. Yeah, which all Democrats, every 100% of Democrats unanimously voted on that thing, and the Republicans were split, which, I mean, I don't know what universe you live in, but uh, in this universe, speaking for myself personally, that kind of tells me something. Yeah, you know, I'm not, I think it was like, uh, like two thirds of the Republicans voted for it. And like, I'm not super happy about that. But at least there is dissent within the party. There was not a single Democrat out of like 300 of them or something uh, that uh, that uh, voted against. What the fuck is that? That's called, uh, I think there's a term for that. Uh, wait a minute, it's coming uh, kickbacks. Pork. Yeah. Yeah. Potato, potato. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, uh, some, some, some people, they, uh, they, they may be wondering, huh, like, why, why is it that, uh, uh, given the, the economy that we're facing, that, uh, we're giving $40 billion to Ukraine, uh, uh, and and also um, uh, giving baby formula to uh, uh, to places that are not America, and apparently, apparently we're also facing a cat food shortage. I mean, uh, it, it seems as though uh, the the leadership here uh, they don't quite understand how to do uh, economics. It's it's very bizarre. Well, you see the thing, good sir. It's like you might have that opinion, but I'll tell you right now. Um... Those Ukrainian cats have, they're much more disenfranchised and underprivileged than these, like, American fat cats. Like, literal fat cats I'm talking about, living high on the hog. You've seen the cat videos on YouTube. Ukrainian cats are, like, out on the freaking scaffolding and jumping across roofs, and they're falling off roofs, <laughs> potentially to their death. But, you know, cats always land on their feet. But it's a very hard life for Ukrainian cats, so... I, for one, agree to shipping most uh, American cat food to Ukraine. No, because... Because those Ukrainian cats, like, deserve it. You're right. The life of you of a Ukrainian cat is more important than the life of an American cat. We all know that. Because American cats basically suffer from the, the phenomenon, the tragic phenomenon of white privilege by proxy. So, because as we know... Most cats in America are owned by middle-aged white women, which basically grants them access to, like, all, simultaneously white privilege and cis-het female privilege as well. I'll tell you what, man. You, you know that you know that meme where it's like, um, uh, it's like this like this like black uh, arm and like this this white arm, and they're like, you know, like uh, they're 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 like doing like a. They're like uh, they're doing like a handshake or whatever, and it's like yeah, like yes. both sides unite. 
um, that's that's the left and the right when it comes to um, middle-aged white women. I think that neither side likes middle-aged white women. And um, you know what? Maybe it's just because they're inherently unlikable. I don't know. Well, you see the thing about that statement is that's both... Uh... It's like misogynistic and ageist at the same time, so I'm going to have to disagree with that on principle. <laughs> okay, there are there are some good middle aged white women. It's just that there's there's a uh, there's a there's there's like this uh, there's the the Karen thing, right? Where you have like a middle aged white woman, uh, and maybe she has a whole bunch of cats or something. Anyway, point being, neither side uh, likes likes them. Um, well, in case you were not aware, good sir, um, Karen is, for all intents and purposes, a misogynistic slash racial slur simultaneously. So uh, I'm going to have to disavow that. Yeah, that's probably proper. Yeah, just di disavow. Disavow is a default. Um, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so I'm becoming much more progressive recently, and I'm starting to realize just how misogynistic and racist you are. And I, I don't know if I much care for it. No, oh, no, Breaker, you found me out. No. Uh, so, uh, uh, this, this, uh, this 40 billion dollars to the Ukraine, um, I think, I think that there's, there's, uh, a very serious conflict of interest here, uh, because I think that there is ample evidence that Joe Biden has been doing some potentially shady stuff in the Ukraine, and I would not be in the least bit surprised, kind of like how I wasn't in the least bit surprised to find out that Twitter is filled with, with bots uh, that, that help uh, the, the Washington Post uh, have more followers than it actually does. Kind of how, how like that wasn't in the least bit surprising to me uh, when it finally got found out. Uh, I would not be in the least bit surprised if... Uh, a a portion of this forty billion dollars given to Ukraine goes directly into uh, Joe Biden's uh, offshore bank account. I just it wouldn't surprise me. I'm not saying that that's what's happening. I'm just saying, boy oh boy, I would not be surprised. Well, the th the thing is, like, um, you're thinking like, how should I put this? You're thinking like a a rational human being. Now, oh. what you what you should be doing is you should you need to think more, and this is one of your many weaknesses I've noticed. You need to think more like a demagogical leftist bureaucrat when you have these type of thoughts. Now, it's not so much that uh, the money could be potentially going to a Biden family offshore bank account. No, no, no. Sir. You see, it's not that simple, good sir. You see, what's actually going to happen is it's going to go into some type of, uh, let's say, profoundly corrupt um, company with some name you've never heard of and I probably can't pronounce because Ukraine. Um, and... Like Burisma, that's one of the companies that used to do this. But what it's going to be instead is like some new thing you've never heard of because too many people know about that now. And through some like massively convoluted bureaucratical process, it is ultimately going to end up somehow under his control or with a degree of accessibility to him and or his family members. But it's going to go through like... 80 different parties in between to the point where he's sufficiently laundered. I mean, um, uh, economically diversified to where, um, 
Uh, he's technically profiting from it, but not at the same time. There's enough plausible deniability where he could say on CNN, it's like, um, I never, well, you see, I never took Ukrainian bribes, and technically he's right. Uh, and then when he hopefully retires, he's going to do, like, a six-figure speaking fee to talk for ten minutes and say, come on, man, America... I, I was the best president America ever had. Uh, America, you know, the thing. <laughs> I was the president that did the thing. And that's going to cost $600,000. But that's completely legitimate because people want to hear Joe Biden. He, he has, like, scintillating orational skills. Like, his ability to communicate is, like, uh, basically God tier. Like, Christopher Hitchens is a drooling mongoloid compared to joe biden oh yeah yeah, yeah speech uh, spe uh speech level 99 without a doubt uh and i what what you were describing there was was basically like it's 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 a uh it's it's a it's a rube goldberg machine right so it's like you 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 set off the domino and a series of dominoes fall and then it like sets off like a little like car that like goes down a track and then it, like hits this ball and then the ball like rolls down a hill and then it, like hits this balloon and the blue flies up and then it hits like this other thing and then something else happens like I think that you're right. It's not as simple as money will be directly deposited into account. It's like they have like 17 different shell companies uh, on either end to make sure that everything is washed uh, sufficiently. There's probably a casino in there somewhere to really make sure it's laundered well so no one can trace it. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, th uh, this is just, uh, I think I think this is just the world that we live under. And it's it's great. Um I mean, it's not great. This is but it's entertaining. a classic. This is a classic example of like unabashed elitism. Now, pay very close attention to this. Um, the only reason a corrupt politician or businessman or some combination, some infernal Lovecraftian combination of the two, would have to do something like that is they have to at least at least be tangentially aware of the aware of the mere existence of uh, what we will refer to as stupid people okay now the type of thought process where you would have to go through that massively convoluted process to get the dirty money proves that they are well aware that stupid people exist and they for one believe that that's most of the people that matter to their like ultimate goals or political aspirations or business aspirations or whatever it is and they also know that the people who are smart enough to be aware of what they're really doing don't matter as much under a democratically elected government because the they actually are aware that the Pareto principle is a thing and it also applies to human intelligence <laughs> i mean uh it, it does the 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 Pareto principle apply to anything outside of human intelligence the Pareto principle i mean i guess I productivity know... maybe but that would be directly tied to intelligence i think well, here's the thing. The Pareto Principle also applies to any complex system that has an informational content embedded within it. 
So if you take, for example, white noise coming from Jupiter, I, if you analyze that, it's just going to seem like a mishamash, like near 50-50 chaotic white noise sound. But if you take like dolphin clicks and whistles, they actually, like the frequency of clicks to whistles of different tones are, they do fall into the Pareto principle, Pareto distribution. So dolphin clicks and whistles are technically a, a form of language that is communicating complex information because if it wasn't, they would just be 50-50. Well, okay, so I think that what you're saying is that, um, like, if you take the English language, there are words that appear way more often and there, appear, yes. there are words that appear way less often. So, for instance... You could go um, further than that. You could say that there are letters, that, like the letter E is the most common letter in the English language and the least common is X. Right, right, right. But, uh, like, when it comes to words, words like uh, the and there and a yeah. and that yeah. uh, appear yep. uh, in just about every sentence, whereas xylophone uh, appears uh, seldom, if ever. Uh, yes. On, 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 unless you, you're in a very specific music class. So, uh, right, and I usually call this a power law distribution. Um I, I usually think of, like, power laws, and you know what? This is where uh, I, I, I may be showing my mathematical weakness, because I I bet there is a mathematical difference, and I've just delineated, I, I've delineated it uh, by a philosophical difference, but I just think, okay, power law distribution um, are uh, other complex systems, whereas Pareto Principle is specifically the complex system of the human mind, and, the uh, like, uh, what happens when when you you have a competitive system where these different uh, minds are, are interacting, and that's where the Pareto principle comes from? But you know what? I could be totally wrong, and I'm pretty sure that I'm talking out of my ass. So, well, yeah. I would I would somewhat push back against that and say it's not strictly confined to the human mind. The Pareto principle also applies to the distribution of stars and galaxies. But, so it is extremely deep on the physics of. The base level of physics of the universe, you can find Pareto distributions in any complex system governed by consistent laws that contains within it predictable information that have... is communicating anything that could be put into a any type of multidestined hierarchy that can communicate there is a logical outcome to what this information is telling me, whereas a 50-50 coin flip, not so much. Uh, right, 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 right. And, uh, like, that's where I would ask you, uh, then, what is the difference between the, the, the um, that and, say, the 80-20 rule, or a power law distribution? Usually when people say the Pareto principle, they're specifically talking in the domain of economics. Now, if you want to be really technical right. about it, this is all based on Ziff's law, Z-I-P-H law. That's a law in mathematics that has to do with the distribution of information in complex systems. It Basically, when you see anything that Ziff's law is applicable to, you know that it's communicating decipherable information that can be contained within the confines of some type of logically consistent language, whether it's a mathematical language or a mimetic language like us humans have. Oh, uh, okay. So I just, I, I use the good old Wikipedia here. Um, 
The, uh, the Ziphian distribution is one of a family of related discrete power law distributions. So yes. um, this is a type of power law that is specific to uh, certain things in some way. Um, the, reason, the reason everyone calls it Prado principle is because in Austrian economics, what you'll find is... Look up the guy. I forget his first name, but his last name is Prado. Um, he was the first one to like name that, and he found that twenty percent of people in any given company are responsible for eighty percent of the productivity. That's why it's usually right. referred to as the Prado principle because that's a a a that's a complex system that's communicating information within logically consistent bounds that you can measure because it's an economic system. <clears throat> Well, I think that that was a a really good uh, conversation about some uh, uh, some some uh, statistics there. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, yeah, I'm well that's we one that. thing. I mean, yeah. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah. So um, I I uh, to 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 bring it back, I don't think that probably either of us trust uh, the forty billion that is going to Ukraine. Um, also, uh. What do you think that Russia is just looking at this and they're going, oh, yes, America is not at war with us. They are simply uh, supplying the people that we're fighting with $40 billion. That's that's totally not connected to the war effort. We're not actively at war. I, I, I just, it is, uh, by us doing this, we are entering the war. And this is how shit starts because uh, it only escalates from here. If 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 we remember, um, two weeks to slow the spread. Okay, and you know, the the thing is, is that I understood that you know, we only had to shut down the government for two weeks, but then it turns out that we actually had to shut down not the government. It, we, I understand that we only had to shut down the economy for two weeks, but then actually it turned out that we had to shut down the economy for like two years, and it started with two weeks. It started with with a very reasonable reasonable idea, like hey. For everyone's benefit, uh, don't wear a mask, wear a mask, don't wear a mask, wear two masks, but also only for two weeks are we going to shut down the economy, everything will be fine. It escalates. It always escalates because that is what the government does. So uh, when we, when our opening move in the chess game is give $40 billion to Ukraine and also aid them uh, in the logistics of sinking um, a, uh, a Russian uh, flagship vessel in the uh, Mediterranean Sea, uh, or the Black Sea, I forget which one. Uh, if that's the opening move, Black you, sea. You, you, yeah, Black Sea, you know that this is going to progress. It does not stop here. We have seen this. It never stops here. It starts with $40 billion to the Ukraine, and it will end with God knows what. Uh, certainly more money, probably more loss of human life, especially on the side of the Americans. Uh, I have said from the beginning, I don't want to touch this conflict with a 10-foot pole, and yet we are doing so. Uh, because reasons, I guess. Uh, you know, the fucking sinking of the flagship in and of itself is... That's more than sufficient grounds for a Casas Belli for Russia to be in an open state of war with America. But for various reasons, like nuclear weapons being the simplest one I could think of off the top of my head... It's probably not going to escalate to that degree, and if it does, we're probably not going to be here for very much longer. But uh, yeah, like 
America, like, it's been discovered that they openly colluded in the sinking of a Russian naval military vessel. That's literally just like the simplest form of Casus Belli. You killed my guys. No, 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 Breaker, Breaker. It was U.S. intelligence that just happened to tell the Ukrainians precisely where the ship was and where they could launch um, some American missiles uh, uh, at that particular point in the sea. That's not America, you know, colluding. They just, ha I mean, they just happened to tell the Ukrainians where to fire the American missiles at. I mean, America wasn't doing it. Don't, don't worry about that. You see, now you are learning, Grasshopper. You're becoming more the bureaucrat every day. <laughs> it's a brave new world we live in. Yeah. Like, literally what you just said is, like, the proper bureaucratic way to articulate that <laughs> and make it seem to where it's not technically my fault because reasons, I guess. Uh, yeah, so uh, I, think, I think that we can look forward to... Um, uh, America getting more and more involved in the Ukraine. That would be my bet. Uh, I'm not saying that for certain, but if I was a betting man, I would say that uh, it doesn't end here. It doesn't. It doesn't stop with us giving forty billion dollars. It will continue. Uh, the value of doing this, especially when uh, uh, we're facing some uh, rather uh, steep economic hardships uh, in this nation. I'm, well, the the value is questionable, but uh, it it will continue. Um, <clears throat> And uh, speaking of economic hardships, I mean, my God, the uh, uh, the stock market uh, has has been in absolute tatters uh, this last week. It wasn't doing great the, the week before, but this week has been brutal. And uh, especially for anyone invested in crypto, um, and I myself am, uh, yeah, it's been a tough week. Yeah, not financial advice, but that's why I'm in... Uh... I'm heavy into commodities futures right now, so not financial advice, but uh, do your own research and you'll find out why. Yeah, I think uh, uh, I I was I was saying this uh, a while ago, but we can't keep up the government spending forever because. Like, yes, the, the economy is in tatters, largely due to COVID and the lockdowns, which uh, may or may not have been um, a, a wise thing to do in the first place. But but they happened, and so the response of the government was, we'll just pump money into the economy. This causes inflation to happen. Uh, so, um, so, so then... I think I remember what the wastebasket is, thank you. So, uh, so, so then uh, we have uh, uh, an economy... That uh, is is not it's not functioning as it should. Uh, billions upon billions of dollars has been pumped into it, and then uh, what are you going to do with that? Well, the economy isn't growing. Now you're facing uh, huge amounts of inflation. The only thing that the Federal Reserve can do is is try to increase interest rates in order to try to s uh, stave off the the inflation part, but then that causes the economy itself to suffer. So I think that we may be entering uh, a, a point of stagflation, which is uh, one of the worst things that could possibly happen to an economy. Uh, 
and I guess you know the, the future. Uh, the future will 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 show us what happens. But uh, I mean, it's not looking fantastic. I I will say that. Well, we have all the cl classic markers for a stagflationary depression happening under our very noses. Because another thing about the economy is that. Uh, Recently, there's been talk about, because of the fertilizer shortage, because guess where we got a lot of our fertilizer? Um, good old uh, good old Russia is where most of the fertilizer and the natural gas for Europe comes from. But uh, that being the case, uh, like the fertilizer prices in America have gone freaking insane as a result of this. And there's actually been talk of utilizing um well there's no good way to put this human shit for crop fertilizer for food fit for human consumption in america now while that is technically possible um if you're going to use like manure from a omnivorous slash carnivorous species you being a biologist you are probably aware of all the the much greater multiplicity and biodiversity of pathogens that can be in an omnivore slash carnivore's fecal matter as opposed to a herbivore's. So it has to go through a much more extensive process of refinement than mere herbivorous manure would otherwise would have. Now, if we're talking about humans specifically, there's an additional problem in that humans as opposed to many other life forms, are known to be taking all types of various forms of prescription drugs that do that are not naturally metabolized and broken down by the types of bacteria used in the refinement process of manure for animals. So that is an additional problem that our freaking fertilizer is going to have all types of Prozac and antidepressants and antipsychotics and all types of stuff that most humans probably shouldn't be consuming in mass quantities. But unfortunately, there's a chance that they might inevitably be. So you as a biologist, you tell me. <laughs> well, I, uh, I'm, not an, I'm not an agricultural scientist, uh, so I'm not the best person to talk to about that. But I can guess that I... There's there's probably a, a reason why we don't use uh, human manure to fertilize our crops, even though we produce so much of it. Uh, because if if it was actually a good idea to do so, we 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 would have we we would already be doing so, and we would be paying people for their shit. We're not doing that. Uh, so my my guess is that there are good reasons why you don't do that. I don't know. Um, if uh, the chemicals in birth control can actually make it into the corn when you, if you were to try to fertilize corn with with human feces, but I, uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised either. So, I uh, well, there is data to support, and you can look this up and put it in the description if you want to. Since I'm invoking data, there is data to support that the uh, the drinking water in the state of California has the highest estrogen content out of all 50 states. Now, that's theorized it's because that uh, the sewage refinement process does not filter out the estrogens used in birth control for human beings. And, you know, California being the free love, hippie, everyone's screwing all the time state, straight, gay, whatever, 
And in this particular case, gay is the least of the problems because the percentages, but the straight birth control sex is like the major problem in California because of all the women pissing in the toilet that have birth control hormones in their urine that is not filtered out by the sewage refinement process. So you get the estrogen end up in the drinking water. Now, that is one thing. that, And also, I think California... You could probably dispute me on this if you wanted to, but California has a high percentage of, like, antidepressant prescription medication in the drinking water because of all the people on therapy that see therapists. Because Californians like to see their therapist and get prescribed antidepressants because life is hard. <laughs> uh yeah, I would I would say that um uh I haven't looked into it extensively, but I I uh, from what I've seen it it, it seems that the uh, the amount of BPA um in in various substances uh, also uh might be having a, a large effect on humans. Uh uh there 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 may be an effect of uh, say BPA and uh, testosterone levels. Um I'm not going to say that for certain. I haven't looked into it extensively. It just might be a thing to consider when it comes to um you know all these plastics that we uh, that we use. Uh, so uh, there is there is all of that um, as as per usual. Uh, the world uh, appears to be getting uh, worse uh, with every day, uh, but sometimes it gets better. So uh, Elon Musk, uh, he's been trying to buy Twitter. Now he's uh, he's recently. Uh, stepped out of this uh, he's saying that it's it's on pause him purchasing twitter is on pause uh and it it's speculation as to why it is that this would be on pause uh i was uh i was looking up uh and uh i saw this um let me see if i can bring it up real quick uh Uh, it was it was that uh, Trump Trump himself tweeted uh, that there's no way that Elon Musk I think he tweeted Friday, um, which would be uh, I guess the 13th of May 2022. Wait a minute, fact check, fact check. Trump can't tweet anything because he's not returned to Twitter yet. Sorry, yeah, yeah, it wasn't on Twitter. It was uh, uh, it was on another platform here. Let me let me actually look it up real quick here. Uh, you you uh, tell me what you think while I look this up. Now, this is speculation, mind you, but I think in regards to the Twitter acquisition being on pause, I think that Elon Musk has run into a bit of legal problems in his acquisition of Twitter, where he has to, for legal reasons, put it on pause, and this is speculation, mind you, but uh, I think it might have something to do with good old-fashioned fraud. And I think there might be more than a few SCE violations um, in regards to how Twitter, like the previous administration of Twitter, was running the website in that if you're going to make uh, like public statements that would affect people's investment decisions in a company, like, oh, Twitter has... X amount of humans. Now pay very close attention to this. Twitter has X amount of P 
people as in actual humans on the website. So when you make that statement publicly, what that's signaling is that advertisers and by proxy investors, because the advertisers are there putting money into it, they're going to make investment decisions based on that statement. Now, recently you'll notice that a bunch of like left-wing accounts have lost a lot of followers and a bunch of right-wing accounts have gained them. There's speculation that that's probably due to, and Elon Musk has even said this publicly, it's like he wants to rid the site of bots. Now, depending on the percentage of bots, which Twitter recently said, like, oh, it was only 5% bots. You see, we weren't lying to you and trying to defraud you out of money. No, like 95% of the engagement on Twitter is totally human beings, bro. So never mind that 200,000 plus followers that Barack Obama just instantly lost when we were scrubbing the systems. Like, no, those were those are all just perfectly normal humans overnight. that were twitching with things. Yeah. Overnight, overnight for no apparent reason. Yeah, just 200 people, yeah. 200,000 uh, people. Just uh, they just uh, stopped following uh, Obama. I'm sure it was completely unrelated. And then like there was a number of other lefty accounts that also last lost hundreds of thousands of su subscribers. All a yeah. all a coincidence. Don't worry about it, bro. But um, so this is what, uh, this is what, uh, uh, Trump said on, um, on his, on his truth social, uh, platform. Uh, he said there, uh, and he said this, uh, on Friday, that would be the, the 13th of May, uh, 2022. Uh, he said, uh, there is no way Elon Musk is going to buy Twitter at such a ridiculous price, especially since realizing it is a company largely based on bots or spam accounts. Fake anyone? Mm -hmm. By the time you get rid of them, if that can even be done, what do you have? Not much. If it weren't for the ridiculous billion-dollar breakup fee, Elon would have already been long gone. Just my opinion, uh, but True Social is, is much better than Twitter and is absolutely exploding incredible engagement. And actually, this, everything that Trump just said there is true, I, I, I believe. That all appears to be just uh, completely true. Uh, Trump is not right about everything. Um, he's like, uh, he's like, I think that between he has, he has probably like, like a, like a similar um, accu accuracy rating to, let's say, like Alex Jones. Um, right about most things, but you know, sometimes he gets shit wrong, uh, and sometimes he says it in a bizarre way that is outlandish. That's fair, but uh, I think that it's entirely possible that Elon Musk was looking at Twitter. And he was thinking, huh, if I if I make Twitter no longer dependent on advertisers and I make it so that, you know, the people who are using it just pay like two dollars a month uh, to get like the, the verified option or whatever, uh, then this will be a profitable platform and it'll all work out. And I think it's also possible that Elon Musk then got more into the numbers of Twitter and he realized, oh, my God there's not that many people on this platform. It's actually a huge bot farm. And so he might then be thinking to himself, oh, fuck, this thing is even worse than I realized. Maybe I don't want to buy it because even my new economic model doesn't work if there's no actual humans on Twitter. I mean, th there are there are humans on Twitter, of course, but there's, there's not per perhaps there's not nearly as many as as we may think there are. And also to Donald Trump's point here, um, Truth Truth Social actually it it has it has been 
doing quite well. I think it's actually surprised a lot of people. There's a lot of people that were uh, doubting it, saying that, oh, it's not going to go anywhere, it's stupid. But uh, it it has grown very rapidly in the, in the, in the past couple of weeks. I, I, I was surprised by it. Okay, two things like to finish up on the Twitter stuff and then go on to Truth Social. Um, like everything you just said about Twitter is like I don't have any points of contention with it for the most part. <clears throat> I think you're missing something though. Is like okay, pay very close attention. Um, Elon Musk's realization, like his mere realization of the sheer number of like bullshit bot accounts that were on Twitter. And that's inevitably going to become public. Now, what what exactly the numbers are is yet to be determined. But here's the thing: if Twitter for X number of years, who know how who knows how long these bots have been on there doing all this stuff and just artificially inflating subscriber numbers, and when advertisers and investors both look at subscriber numbers and aggregate in their statistics on like how many accounts on Twitter have like Y number of accounts with X number of subscribers. Therefore there's this much human engagement. Therefore I can invest this much money into advertising or if I want to buy stock, it's like because the advertising model, there's this much value there because this many human eyeballs are on it. Now, depending on how long those bots were there, and now they're all just like mysteriously disappearing. There's no way this doesn't end without an SEC violate, uh, SEC investigation and potential numerous violations. Because technically, if Twitter had all of those bots and they were advertising like, hey, we have this many humans without, with minimizing or not neglecting to mention the number of bots, that's fraud of like advertisers and investors both. Yeah, I think if if Elon Musk actually pulls out of the deal, there's going to be a lot of uh, people looking at Twitter and asking how uh, how much of this platform is inflated bullshit. Uh, yes. I, I think like, that... purely artificially now consider like to make bot farms and bot accounts is like a minimal investment for like a massive multi-billion dollar tech company you can like you can have a whole team of people sit down at computers and like run a bunch of algorithms and just like throw bots onto the site with like pre-programmed algorithms to subscribe to a b and c people probably usually left-wing people <laughs> to be honest with you because Barack Obama lost like 200,000 subscribers overnight, literally. I, I guess they all just vanished because uh, Twitter bad. And that's what they're going to try to do. They're going to say it's like, oh, the progressive left people that would have been subscribing to Barack Obama, there's all these tweets from progressive leftists that say, I'm leaving Twitter because evil capitalist Elon Musk has purchased it, and I don't trust him. Now, up to a point, you could kind of make that, and that would be a valid argument up to a point. But I don't know if, like, your random tweets you can dig up from disaffected progressive leftists would be enough to justify a, just with one account, Barack Hussein Obama, a, like, massive 
six-figure decrease in their subscriber count. I don't know if those two things go together. Well, right. So I think that if, if Elon Musk actually pulls out of this deal, I think that that's, that, that might end up being the death knell for, for, for Twitter because uh, I think the advertisers are going to look at the, at, the, at the platform and go, oh, this was inflated bullshit. Elon Musk kind of uh, has shown us this. Ergo, we don't want to advertise on Twitter anymore because we realize that our advertisements are not reaching nearly the number of people that we thought they were. Uh, you know, we thought that our advertisements were reaching 10,000 people, but it turns out that mm. 5,000 of those people that we thought we were reaching are actually just bot accounts, and you don't need to advertise to, to bots. Uh, so I think that they might end up pulling out, or at the very least, significantly reduce the amount of money that they're willing to put uh, into advertisements for Twitter. On top of that, uh, investors are probably going to start thinking, huh, um, I'm not sure that I actually want to have my money in this company anymore. And when, when both of those things happen at the same time, when you don't have money coming in anymore, and also you don't have uh, financial backing from investors, I mean... Oh, that's a uh, that's not good for a company. So, uh, if if Elon Musk pulls out, I think that that might uh, if it doesn't kill Twitter, it's it's gonna maim it very significantly. Uh, which is either 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 one either one I'm actually okay with. I want to direct everyone's attention to an event that happened a few years ago with Google. Now, a few years ago, some people might remember that there was this uh, Google Chrome browser extension by the name of Ad Nauseam. And what this extension did was that anytime you went to a web page that had any type of like pop-up ads or ad banners in the background, this Google Chrome extension was literally a bot that would automatically click on every single ad and what that would do is that in the metadata and statistics that would indicate to all those advertisers that these ads got x number of clicks now with all these people running agnosium on their google chrome browsers this was enough to cause google the year this happened to lose six hundred thousand dollars over the year that this was in effect and this was just a google chrome extension now there were ads for this extension ironically enough that told people about this hey are you tired of seeing like all these ads pop up well you can get this software and punish all of these freaking advertisers that constantly are spamming you with pop-ups and ad banners and these annoying ads all the time Wait, wait, wait. So, that that wait, alone wait, wait, was wait. enough to cause a $600,000 loss in so, Google. And Google was like, fuck that. They, they destroyed that shit. So, so you're, you're telling me that the, the, this add-on to Chrome would click on all of the advertisements? I haven't heard about this. Why, why would that be a bad thing? Don't, don't uh, advertisers want people to click on their ads? Uh, they want people to click on their ads. People that are potentially going to buy things. So it would it just increased the click rate for ads and made it difficult to tell if a human or a bot yes. was clicking on the ad. It, it and basically then they said it, it like, spammed hey. them with too much information. Yeah, and, and what it did was it messed up the metadata and it it signaled to the advertisers like, hey, wait a minute, like 
the the number of clicks and engagement pay very close attention the number of humans engaging with our ads has increased by this massively exponential number why don't we invest even more money into advertising but then they realize like wait a minute ag nauseum you mean it was just robots clicking on all those ads and we just blew six hundred thousand dollars on advertising budget out of our ass fuck you oh i see okay i mean why uh why would you download uh this thing called ad nauseum i mean i, I can understand it is doing like a protest like fuck you all just have my computer click on all the all the ads was there was there any reason besides that just just a big f you to the system because what what it would do is it was like an even better version of a pop-up blocker because if you have like annoying pop-up ads and auto playing bullshit what agnosium would do is it would click on all the auto playing bullshit and pop-up bullshit and banners and open it in like sleeper windows that you the human user wouldn't see but it would signal to the website that this user clicked on it and open it in an additional window but then it just immediately killed the window but the website still got the signal that the user has clicked on this ad and is now viewing it in an another window i see i see i mean i just use uh i use adblock plus i think it just like eliminates the uh the ads from the uh well, yeah, that, that's fine, but consider that the difference between just regular Adblock and Agnosium was that Agnosium actually sent the signal to the, like, Google AdSense or whatever advertiser was putting up these pop-ups and banners right. that a human clicked on it, because there's no CAPTCHA to click on an ad. Right, 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 right. Interesting. And, and that just caught... That year, Google just... Now, the multi-billion dollar multinational company, Google, merely lost like $600,000 sounds like a lot to normal people. Oh, that's, that's nothing. to Google, that's a piss. Yeah, that, that, that's like I wiped my ass with $600,000. But keep in mind, that was enough to make Google be like, oh, hell no, we're getting rid of that shit right now. Now, you can still you have to kind of be like a power user of computers like into Linux and like all these alternative like coding shit or you could recode this yourself. But Agnosium itself was like, Google was just like, fuck you, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> but if you use Linux and stuff, well, anyone out there using Linux probably has never seen a pop-up in their life because they know how to like get into the background to do all kinds of crazy like James Bond level shit to get away from that. So that, that doesn't apply to those type of people. <laughs> Okay, right. And uh uh continuing forward, what uh uh what was your position on uh on on Truth Social? Uh what's what, what Truth what, Social what do you think about this? Okay. Truth Social specifically, it's like the right wing when it comes to social media has this very pernicious problem where they want their platforms to be marketable. And they want to make some type of money from them, like with ads or something. And they want them to be on the mainstream, like the Apple Store, the Android Store. Because that's where the eyeballs are, that's where the humans are, that's where the potential like consumers are to click on ads. If there are any ads, which I imagine there are. What the right wing doesn't realize is like most of that market is predominantly controlled by the left. 
So, True Social, from what I remember when it first came out, it was exclusively on the Apple Store. Now, if you know anything about Apple, the company, in regards to, like, uh, freedom of speech, <laughs> whatever that means to you, but on the internet these days, I, I think everyone here knows what that really means. Um, Apple doesn't have a good track record on that. They have a surprisingly good track record on privacy, not so much on free speech. So, of course, the Apple App Store is going to say, it's like, you need to have moderation on hate speech. Yeah. Hate speech being speech that we hate because we are progressive and we don't want to see any N-words on your app. If we see too many N-words, you're going to be removed from the store. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's the problem I have with True Social, personally. It's like, okay. <sighs> Donald well, Trump is already a freaking billionaire. All he needed to do was, like, make an open source, like, close enough to a clone of Gab and or Twitter to where it would pass legal muster, which he could get done, and just put it on F-Droid or put it on his website and say, go to this website if you're an Android user and click this. And download this because well, on Apple you can't even download the reason. The fact that he put it on Apple first is just like okay, here we go again. Oh shit, here we go again. This fucking bullshit. Uh, I, I, okay. So there's Twitter, right? And then there are a number of, I guess, alternative platforms that exist outside of Twitter. And out of the alternative platforms that I know about, uh, they're all at least right leaning uh like middle like like center right i guess is is what would all, all of them appear to be um i don't they may exist but i don't personally know of any uh lefty alternatives to twitter i think because twitter is already um uh, vacuumed up uh, all of the space for for that sort of thing so uh, what i'm what i'm thinking is that if twitter were to die due to um, maybe in large part by Elon Musk, then if that went belly up, the only platforms that would exist afterwards that actually have like some amount of people on them would be these more right-of-center platforms. So you could be looking at uh, like a Gab or a Mines or a, or a Truth Social. Uh, and... People would have to flock to one of these. Even the left might actually just be forced to transition over to one of these platforms where, as of right now, yes, there are a lot of right-wing people on there. It's, uh, it's, it's, uh, there are no left-leaning left people on, on, like, Truth Social. They don't exist. But if, uh, uh, if Twitter were to go belly up, then I think a lot of these people might end up migrating. And I think this would be really good because these platforms that have been built are specifically free speech, right? So on Twitter, I cannot go on there and advocate for uh, fascism, right? Like it's, it's, it's not allowed, uh, especially if it's racist in any way. I'm not allowed to. Not that I would. I'm specifically super duper anti-fascist. I'm a libertarian. But uh, I, I don't think that I can go on Twitter and do fascist posts. But you know what you could do on Truth Social 
you could 100% make a communist post. If you're on the far left and you want to, like, you know, shout about your communism, you could totally do that. And that's because these platforms are, I think, not 100% free speech, but they're a hell of a lot more dedicated to free speech than, say, Twitter is. Uh, and I think that that would make for a much healthier uh, dialogue uh, for our nation. I mean, you... <clears throat> I... I am very interested in talking to the left. I want to have more conversations with the left. I want to be able to talk to them. They want to isolate themselves and hang out in their corner and not talk to anyone else because they get scared of, of difficult conversation. I want to talk to them. I am always interested in talking to them. Uh, so if, if we can have a platform where both uh, the right and the left can exist, th they can exist simultaneously, and there is... Uh, not that much policing of of what you can and can't say i think that that is a win-win for for everyone whether they may realize it or not um, you know i can see a degree of validity behind that argument but uh okay let's say twitter goes belly up what's going to immediately happen is that uh thing about the modern-day lift, especially in the Western world, is they have unlimited resources for all these super PACs and astroturfs and, quite frankly, corrupt NGOs. Like, um, if the name George Soros means anything to anyone listening, you'll he's know a, he's what a, I'm talking He's a stand-up guy, man. Everyone loves George Soros. Great, great oh, guy. Oh, yes. Uh, George Soros is like... Uh, he's a philanthropist, bro. You gotta love him. Yeah, he's one of the greatest modern-day um, philanthropists and humanitarians that the world has ever seen. And he's so progressive. <laughs> but anyway, that aside, um, yeah, um... Well, there's already Mastodon, which is... Is that, is that uh, similar to Woolly Mammoth? Well, technically, that, yes, that, in the ontology of the word. That's a joke. That's a joke, right? That's obviously a joke. As a Sorry, go ahead. Well, there's Mastodon, which is... Uh, it's kind of like a blockchain-based social media where... It actually has a better blocking feature than even Twitter does, believe it or not. Because to get the best out of Twitter blocks, if you're like a really super progressive like Steve Shives, if anyone listening knows who Steve Shives is, you'll know immediately who I'm talking about. But for those who don't know, Steve Shives has like a, an entire bot network on Twitter that it has access to his account. And if you even so much as follow someone in his block network, his network automatically blocks you on his account. Like if you follow TJ Kirk, the amazing atheist, you're automatically blocked by Steve Shives. It's not even him doing it as a human. Now I, I come from the old school. Wait, 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 wait. It's be me. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> I think I think that I remember Steve Shives from way back in the day. I didn't think that he was important anymore, but that was the guy that was. He's uh... not. He's not important, but he's like super progressive now. 
Yeah, he was uh he was the like the super feminist guy who would metaphorically suck Anna Kasparin's dick all the time. It was it was something yes. like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh god, yeah, I, you know I, who I'm talking about. Yeah, I don't like that guy. Fuck that guy. He's he's not very bright. His arguments uh, are are not very good in my opinion. Quote unquote arguments, if you could even call them that, but uh I do like watching his takes on pop culture and things like Star Trek. That's one of the few good things I get out of his channel and him and as a person in general. Like him and as a human, it's like he is just a Star Trek lore and theory crafter to me anymore. But that aside, um, so Mastodon has an even better and more effective way of creating those blocks bot block networks because it's embedded into the very architecture of the site because it's blockchain. So you could go into Mastodon and say any blockchain instance of Mastodon that has this person I politically disagree with for or disagree with in any way, shape or form where I want to block them and all their followers, go into the blockchain and say like all people following X person who I disagree with and want to block, block them as well. It's just in the site, and you don't have to let a third-party bot access your account to do that. Oh, so you're you're literally talking about a blockchain, not like a like a cryptocurrency blockchain, yes. like a chain of blocking people. Something like, like that. <laughs> well, blockchain technology has other applications besides cryptocurrency, and this is one of them. So you're using the blockchain to block people. Yeah. In the blockchain, it says, like, okay, X person is followed by and or follows Y number of people. And, it, like, let's, let's say if you disagree, if, if Donald Trump's on Mastodon, for example, and you don't like Donald Trump, and you don't like Trump supporters, and you don't like the, pe the kind of people Trump himself follows, or any combination of those things, you can go in and say... Donald Trump is like the center node. Every single node in this network impinging upon Trump block all of them. And that will like completely isolate you from any and all Trump supporters, accounts that Trump himself is following, and Trump himself all at once. I see. Because it's blockchain technology, and in the blockchain ledger, it's going to say who follows this person and who is this person following. So... Yeah, that's a really easy way to block people on Mastodon. And the left will all just flock there, and then you'll hear on CNN and MSNBC, like, a new social media craze is sweeping the nation. The previously unheard of, even though I knew about it, site Mastodon, with its blockchain technology, is leading the way in the prevention of hate speech and online harassment. And you'll see things like that, like mainstream media will all be talking about this suddenly, out of nowhere, even though they never mentioned it before, but I somehow know about it. Do you see where this is going? <laughs> right. They have the. Uh, uh, I guess. I guess maybe I was incorrect. Maybe they do have a new island to uh, to hop to, and they don't need to uh, uh, go to Truth Social or Gab or yeah. Mines or anything. Okay. All right. Yeah. I, I, They'll I, just go to the place where they can block you the easiest because they don't want anything to do with you. Right, because they're not they're not interested in having dialogue. They're not interested in communicating. They're interested in just making sure that their v vision of the world happens, period. And 
talking to other people about their vision of the world does not help them in 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 getting their vision of the world to take place. So they're not interested in dialogue. They're only interested in affecting reality in the in the way that they want reality to be affected, and that's the only thing that matters. It's it's a power based thing. Uh, yes, which uh, it's pure power pragmatism. That's all it is. See, I, that is so. It's so. It is. Uh, that is. That's an example of both. Um, uh, mankind's hubris and uh, and arrogance, but also just I think, just being a, a selfish evil cunt. You know, like I, uh, you, you and I, man, we've we've been on Discord uh, for for probably uh, more than half a decade now, and uh, I have talked to many people on this platform, uh, and I have changed my mind. A, a number of times on various issues because I encountered someone that had a better argument than I did. I went in and I said, this is my argument. And they said, this is my argument. And then we argued back and forth. And I realized, oh shit, my argument sucks. Now that means that I can do one of two things. Either A, I can try to improve my argument and try to beat them next time. Or B, I can accept their argument and realize that maybe I was incorrect. Right? I can do one of those two things. Uh, and by going through this process, by talking with people, uh, by arguing, actually having the debate, uh, you can refine your arguments. Uh, you can change your mind on things in certain circumstances. But also by, by just by going through this process, by, by just always talking with people, always arguing with people, always having the fucking debate, uh, you can you end up refining your arguments a lot, which means that. Like maybe the first, you know, the 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 first like hundred arguments that you get into, you might end up losing a lot of them because you know you're dumb, you don't know how to argue. But eventually, you 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 can figure out like what are good arguments, what are bad arguments. You can stand behind those arguments, and then um, it it's actually it's it's a lot more difficult to like sway you in, in in any particular in any particular direction because you know exactly what the good arguments are and what are the bad arguments you know what you believe you know what you don't believe you know how to um counteract uh arguments from the other side you know you know what uh, what points uh, various people might make against your argument you know all of these things because that's just that's that's part of the the learning process whereas what i see from i guess a lot of the left is that they actually, I'm not sure if they've ever had a debate with, with, with another person about their arguments, or when they do have a debate, it's very frightening to them. It's very scary, because they're not used to it. They're like, why, why, why are we talking about this? I thought, I thought this was just known. I thought this knowledge that I have was just known. Why are you questioning it? Ah, it's so scary. Um, but that's, that's, a, that's a toxic way to do things. But that, that, that seems to be what a lot of the people on the left want. They want... To secure their little their little chamber, uh, and and have everyone uh, agree in that little chamber and just talk amongst themselves in full agreement, and that's what they want. I personally speaking find that to be incredibly boring. I the last person that I would want to talk to is someone that I agree one hundred percent with. Like Breaker, uh, you and I, uh, we agree on a lot, but also we disagree on a lot. Um, but I'll tell you what, man, if you 
were exactly me and you had all the same positions as I did, there's no way that I want to talk to you. I would find you to be boring as fuck. And that's how I think that most humans should operate. Like, you should not want to talk to people that agree with you all the time. It is interesting and engaging to in to to have disagreements, to have arguments. How else are you going to fucking re refine your own positions? What... And, and this is what I think the right wants to do. The right wants to talk to the left. We do. We actively want to have the conversation with the left. We want to fucking engage. We want to find out who has the better argument because I think the right is more meritocratic. I like Honestly, I think that the right is genuinely interested in hearing what the left has to say because I think that from a certain perspective, at least some people on the right are like, Hey, man, you know what? If your argument is better, I will listen to you. And I might even change my mind. I'm interested in what works. I'm interested in finding the best argument. So I think that there are actually a lot of people on the, on the right that are willing to engage in the left in a, in a fair way. But the left won't do that for the right. Because I, and maybe, maybe this is me being biased, but I don't think that the left is interested in any amount of argumentation that the right has. I think the left is interested in just enacting their fucking worldview and making it happen. And I think that that, whatever that is that makes the left do that, that's not just arrogance and hubris. I think that's, it's something even worse. The modern day left exists in a state where they presuppose their ideology is just de facto correct and without the need of any further refinement. Or as like the modern day right would say that they are in a constant state of refinement and self-betterment. Now, for those very simple, like, two principles, if you think about it for a second, you can really quickly start to see the problem here. Well, you know, I think that the, uh, uh, the, uh, I think reality has a bias towards being meritocratic. So I think that eventually it may take time but i think eventually there's no way that the left can win because uh reality itself uh natural selection itself uh nature itself uh, is meritocratic i think you're ultimately right the problem is it's now keep in mind i don't think that this will actually happen i have like some a much more convoluted version of this happening that i've talked about i've talked with you about this before but we need to we need to have a show where we go through that in more detail but um worst case scenario the left is able to convince more people that they are right even though you and i know that they're not ultimately and when i say the left i mean the batshit insane like socialist quasi sometimes full-blown communist um abolish age of consent level shit left if they're able to convince enough people that they are right even though they're not they can ultimately lead humanity off a massive cliff now to be honest with you i don't think they have 
that level of capacity to be able to convince that many humans to follow along with that. You're probably going to see fracturings and separatist movements pop up of centrist and disaffected right-wing people and disaffected liberals. They're like, hey, you've gone too far for me. I need to go more to the center. Um, and we're already starting to see stuff like that happen right now. So, Worst case scenario, the left gets everything they want and just turns humanity into bovine supplicants and hits the brick wall that is the Great Filter. <laughs> but that's probably not going to be what happens this time around because they're already starting to lose a lot of ground in many things these days. Like, I said this a long time ago, when they start to go after children, that's when you'll start to see people snap awake to just how bad they really are. And they're putting, like, dildo rainbow butt monkey reading to kids at a library and drag queen story hour, and now they're wanting to teach... I even heard recently that there's some some crazy fucking leftist that wants to make... Now, pay, pay attention to my wording. They want to make pornography for children. Oh! Oh, that sounds wholesome. <laughs> they want to have, like, I don't know, Barney the Dinosaur in a fucking gangbang with all the other dinosaurs. I don't know if this is just an assumption. <laughs> I, uh, so, okay, here's, uh, here's an idea that I had the other day. Um, you know how, like, uh, if, if you're, like, an employee, there is, uh, some amount of, like, like, dress, dress code that you have to engage in? Like, um, you know, like, if you're a, if you're a government employee at the IRS, like, you can't, like, be fucking walking in looking like a, like a, like a, like a stripper or something, you know, like, uh, unless, unless your passport slash photo ID, official government photo ID has an F on it, then you can walk in like looking like Arnold Schwarzenegger, but in a cocktail dress and no one's going to say anything. Uh, right, right. Of course. There you go. But, uh, <laughs> uh, no, but I mean, there, there's, there's, there's dress codes that are, that are, uh, that are employed, especially at the uh, federal level. So for instance, um, uh, when I've worked, at uh, uh, federal labs in the past, uh, you have to wear, even during the summer, even when it's 110 degrees outside, you have to wear long pants and closed-toed shoes into the lab because that's just the fucking dress code. Uh, it's Obvious reasons. Especially in a lab because, like, you don't want sulfuric acid on your shin. <laughs> no, yeah, it's not, it's not usually advised. It's something you, mostly you want to avoid. Uh, but... I just think that maybe we could apply the same thing when it comes to um, teachers and dyeing their hair. Because I think that, you know what, here's the thing, man. Young children, they like bright and funny colors, right? If, if, if you put two teachers in front of a kid and the teachers were identical, but one of the teachers had just regular fucking brown hair and one of the teachers dyed their hair fucking neon blue, then... I guarantee you that the kids would be more interested in the teacher with neon blue hair. But the problem is that the teacher with neon, neon blue hair is also the one uh, that wants them to um, get uh, fucking sexual reassignment surgery. Uh, generally speaking. Generally. Uh, well, you see, here's the thing. Like, Remember when we talked before about the, the layers of bureaucracy? It's not going to just start out of the gate like that. What How it's going to start is going to be much more subtle. What the neon blue hair teacher is going to do is they're going to they're going to see like a boy that looks like 
Opie from the Andy Griffith show, like stereotypical boy wearing boy clothes, interested in boy things. And they're going to say like, hey, what if I put this pink ribbon in your hair? Like, hey, kids, what do you think of Billy now with the pink ribbon in his hair? By the way, everyone who has a positive reaction gets a piece of candy. And then the whole audience of kids claps. And the kid with the pink hair ribbon in his hair is like, wow, everyone likes this new pink hair ribbon. And the teacher says, ah, the pink hair ribbon is not the end of the road. There are many other things you could do to make all of the class like you even more. And then it's like it eventually gets to chop your genitals off. I'm authorized by Bill Gates to chop your genitals off. Right, <laughs> right. What you're, what, what you're describing is grooming. Right, that's literally what you just described. Yes. Um, yes. And all all I'm saying is that maybe, just maybe, within within specifically the boundaries of uh, the the uh, public education, uh, in the same way that if you work in a government lab, you have to wear long pants and closed-toed shoes. Maybe if you are a teacher, you just you're not allowed to dye your hair. I'm not saying that like. It's a perfect solution, uh, but I think that it actually would help. That's that's all I'm going to say. I think I think it actually would help, as bizarre as that sounds. I think that just, if you're a teacher, you're not allowed to dye your hair. Because I think that children like fun colors. And if, if a teacher has, like, fun-colored hair, I think that they're more likely to listen to them. Because that's how just how children operate. And I think that a teacher that dyes their hair neon blue or whatever... I, I think that there's there's an element of, of subversion there where, like, your average person probably doesn't look at it and they're like, oh, they just dyed their hair. It's not a big deal. But actually, no, they're interacting with children. You don't under like you have to remember how children think like they uh, they they see someone they see an adult and they're like really like friendly and they have like cool hair and they're like oh boy like this is a more fun person i want to listen to them i want to listen to what they have to say i'm more willing to uh take instructions from them i i i'm more willing to uh uh put their opinion in a higher regard because they seem like more of a peer to me um that's a fucking problem man like i'm not saying that we need to do this with private school teachers or or in, in the free market i think that if, if you're if you're a private school if you're a teacher in the private school fucking do whatever you want but Specifically, when it comes to teachers that work for the government, maybe we just have a rule that says uh, you can't dye your hair. Hey, with a hair dye specifically, number one, that probably wouldn't change their grooming behavior. As a matter of fact... No, but it would make them less appealing at the start. I think there's an element of truth to that, but also what it would do is it would have this paradoxical effect where those type of people would still think and behave that way, and they would have a slightly harder time of wrangling and grooming the kids than they would have if they had bright colored hair, as you put it in your argument. But at the same time, Dude, that's, that's going to have a detrimental effect, and that they're going to blend in more easily and you're just going to see a bunch of people with like normal hair colors and you're not going to be able to pick out like okay which one of you is trying to get little billy to well, chop his genitals off but that's but that's fine right because like 
here's the thing. If they wanted to go underground, they could just remove the hair dye and go back to their regular hair color, and you wouldn't be able to pick them out anyway. If they wanted to go underground and they wanted to hide, that's always an option for them. All I'm saying is that it is just a small bit of deterrence. That's it. It's a tiny little piece of deterrence. I'm not saying that it's going to fix the problem. I'm What I'm saying is that I don't think that any one law or rule or anything that's enacted is going to fix the problem. I think that you have to have probably a series of regulations. Here I am, a fucking libertarian, talking about regulations, but then again, I'm also talking I'm also talking about public school, which is already a government institution. It's already a fucking trash fire, so I don't care if we have further regulations on that, because it's not the fucking free market to begin with. I don't give a shit. I'm actually completely fine with regulating it, because fuck it anyway. Um, just, okay. just elimin uh, eliminate that, and you have at least eliminated maybe like 2% of the problem. I'm not saying it's going to eliminate 100% of the problem, but maybe like you just like that one thing might eliminate like 2% of the problem. And then you can start thinking about like other things that you could do to, to fix this. Okay. Number one, like you brought up libertarianism and regulations. Like I will say it's like, I can't speak for other parts of the world. There might be foreign listeners. As a matter of fact, I know there's a couple. I won't name names, but you know who you are. You fucking. Super Mario, son of a bitch. If he sees that, he will Must DM be a Japanese me. guy. <laughs> uh, Super Mario is going to give me a DM, but anyway, um, libertarians regulations. <laughs> um, when you when you invoke like limitations of government power, you're not really talking about a regulation. I, in the American context specifically, the Constitution is a list of things the government isn't allowed to do. So if you're saying like public school, which are technically de facto government officials, aren't allowed to do a certain thing, that's not a regulation. That's a limitation on government power, which is actually even more in keeping with libertarian principles than what you otherwise might have realized. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. I'm actually... I'm even more based in red pill than I even thought I was. Fuck yeah! So you're even more libertarian. You're you were so libertarian you didn't even realize it. Ah, yeah, my fucking power levels—they're exploding. Get to that point. I mean, okay. The secondly, okay. Realistically, if you tried to do this, what would probably happen? This is just inevitable. Um. Like all the teachers that were dyeing their hair blue are, are immediately going to say it's like <laughs> preventing my freedom of expression is against the constitution. Preventing my freedom of expression of my identity Fuck increases off, suicide no. rates. No, you're a government employee. Um, when I was a government employee, I wasn't aware, allowed to wear fucking flip flops to work. That's just a that's a fact of being a government employee. That's how the fucking system works. <laughs> Suck Wait it up. A minute, you, silence, you chauvinist pig! If you don't allow me to wear flip flops and dye my hair neon blue, it's going to make me want to kill myself. <laughs> if you if you if you won't allow me to um uh, to groom children, then you're 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 not allowing me full self expression. Why aren't you letting me? groom the children i'm being i'm being oppressed i'm not even kidding you'll probably hear exactly that at the end of the day when all this shit comes to a head you're going to hear things that are that fucking ridiculous but they're going to be said with a complete straight face with zero irony 
actually, yeah, I think you're right because I uh, that kind of stuff happens all the time because more and more it's a fucking clown world. Uh, yeah, yeah, I agree, I agree. They will end up just saying that with zero irony. <laughs> yeah, I can see that happening. But you know what happened to the don't say gay? Say First Amendment. Read about it. If anyone remembers Ron Perlman's fucking Twitter video about the Florida quote-unquote don't say gay bill, even though in no part of that bill does it ever say not to say the word gay. Yeah, but just don't say gay, bro. But anyway, that aside, um, basically the Florida bill is kind of like really in keeping with the Constitution. Like, it is like more in line with the parameters of the Constitution than any blue state's anti-gun legislation has ever fucking been since its inception. Oh, absolutely. Um, Dude, there's nothing yeah. wrong with the Florida bill. It's it's completely in keeping to not only the state's constitution, but also the the fed like the actual United States Constitution. Um Yeah, the Florida bill basically says that government employees, which are agents of the fucking government which are already restricted under the Constitution anyway, and their apparatchiks like certain private school teachers or what have you that receive funding from the government aren't allowed to do a certain thing. Now, if you're a government employee, like say you're a soldier, you become a soldier and your superior officer orders you not to talk about a specific thing, like a parameters of a mission or something. You cannot invoke the First Amendment under that context, because as a soldier, you are an agent of the government, and the First Amendment is designed to prevent you, as the soldier, in this context, from speaking. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, exactly. Now, if you're a private citizen, that doesn't apply. Like, a police officer can't say to you, it's like, ah, don't you say that. And you'd be like, fuck you, police officer. <laughs> I don't recommend that, but that might run into other problems <laughs> if you continue down that line. But, uh, yeah. They, they'll probably get you on disturbing the peace or noise ordinance or something. It's like, uh, there are people in this vicinity that you might be disturbing with your speech. and. That could be a thing that they could do. Unless you're an industrial quarter. <laughs> which uh, is a whole other thing. But anyway. Um, well, you yeah. know, the, uh, the, the, I, I think the, the whole uh, government school system, it's a, it's, it's a literal dumpster fire. I think uh, anyone that is looking at it can see that it's, uh, it's not a good place to send your kids. In fact... By the way, <laughs> I was once told, like, this is a side note, but... I was once told by a police officer, and thinking back on this, I don't think this is entirely correct, but I was once threatened by someone with physical violence, and once I told the police officer that showed up to this altercation about that, they said to me that uh, that wasn't something they could act upon because the person threatening me that fell within their purview of free speech, but threats of violence, as far as I know don't fall under free speech protection? Uh, I do not believe that um, specific threats of violence uh, are free speech, no. No, there there are 
there are certain limitations to free speech under uh, the American law. Yes. So I always think back to that and wonder, like, hmm, wait a minute. But as far as I know, all of that legal hubbub kind of, it was never brought up again after that. I think the investigation of that found that this motherfucker was clearly lying. And uh, yeah, I never got in trouble because of that. <laughs> Well, anyway, uh, my uh, my overall point here is that uh, I think I think that public school in general, uh, the, the government schools, they're uh, they're a dumpster fire, uh, and I think that I I, I don't have any uh, children uh, yet myself, but I, uh, I I do plan on having them relatively soon. I would like to uh, have have three. I think three is a very good number. Uh, so, General Chief, why aren't you having those babies yet? You better get on it. You know, the older you get, the harder it is. That you know what that that is true. That is absolutely true, and uh, I, I I will be uh, working on that in the future. Uh, but all I can say <laughs> is that uh, uh, when I have kids, I'm not sure that I'm going to want to send them to public schools. I think i uh, I would be okay with homeschooling i would pay uh, I would be okay with like like private schools I would be okay with like um that thing that some people are doing where it's like you move into a neighborhood and then you do like like pod learning where like uh one one day out of the week like one of the parents like teaches all the kids that are in like the cul de sac or whatever uh something like that i think it's it's a better way to educate your kids than to uh, then to send them to this this fucking government institution that, for the most part, uh, if they teach them anything, it's 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 oftentimes not the best stuff. Uh, I remember that actually Michael Malice made this point. He said, um, "For most people, the only time that they will experience genuine violence in their life is." Uh, during their time in government schools and for myself actually that is completely correct the only time in my life that i've experienced violence that i did not consent to uh was when i was actually in govern government schools i uh, have i engaged in violence after that yes when i was in college i used to like to get drunk like just get absolutely fucking shit-faced and 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 do like like boxing matches in the backyard of of the house party and that was fun right and i ended up bruised the next day and you know i regretted it but but that's wait that's, a minute that's consensual okay what i'm saying rule is, number one is you don't talk about oh that. shit you're right no i'm not supposed to talk about that fuck ah uh <laughs> okay so Rule number two is that you're not supposed to talk about yeah, that. Okay. Sorry, sorry. Foreshadowing. Breaker, you're, right. you're right, you're right, Breaker, you're right. You shouldn't talk about that. Uh, I, we are uh, we are doing uh, an after show uh, after this uh, where we will be talking about uh, Fight Club. Uh, so uh, if you're interested, stick around for that. It's uh, probably my favorite movie of all time, and we will be doing an in-depth uh, analysis of that. But... Uh, before we get Which to that, Which is in and of itself a paradox because by its very nature it is something that is not supposed to be talked about. Perhaps we should just skip the skip the entire after show because it's best not to talk about it. Uh, <laughs> I, but um I did uh, uh I did want to uh circle back to um some of the fun arguments that uh I guess 
uh, I've had on Discord. Maybe you've had some fun arguments on Discord recently as well. Uh, but I, I just I wanted to touch on a few of these because I think uh, this is important for um, uh, establishing kind of like the difference between uh, I guess the left and the right. Right, like the, the the left doesn't want to talk, the right does want to talk, and I'm more than willing to talk to anyone. So, uh, here's here's a, here's one that I had this week. I was talking to um to uh, uh to someone who called themselves an empiricist, and uh by all accounts, I think that they they were like a genuine empiricist. Um, but they said that we are like. 95% uh, there when it comes to understanding the universe. Um, like, we basically, we have like 95% of, uh, of the understanding that we need in order to, like, comprehend what the universe is doing. Um, you know, the only limitation that we have is that is that there, uh, there, uh, we, there's, you have general uh, general relativity uh, and special relativity from, from Einstein. So you've, like, Einsteinian mechanics, and then you have uh, quantum mechanics um, going so far as to like uh, string theory and M theory. And the issue uh, in physics is that uh, we have not been able to unify relativity with uh, quantum mechanics, right? That's, that's the issue. Um, and if we ever were to unify them, uh, we would have something that is colloquially described as the grand unified theory. The grand unified theory would finally allow us to understand black holes because it would combine both gravity from from relativity and also um the electromagnetic force and the strong and weak nuclear forces of um uh, quantum mechanics now this guy said this 100 serious he was like dude as soon as we can get there like basically we can understand the universe and we're like 95 percent there anyway so basically we understand the universe <clears throat> and I shudder to think that there might be uh, a lot of uh, empiricists out there that agree with that notion, because it is not true. It is on its face not true. Uh, you can you can attempt to uh, try to understand the deep equations behind the universe, and let's say that you succeed. Let's say that you understand. Uh, the fundamental equation behind the universe. I would ask you a question. Um, does this uh, improve your knowledge of complex and emergent systems? And based off of everything that I know, I, I don't think that that's the case. Even if you have the grain unified theory, I don't think that it allows you to understand the human mind any better. I don't think that it allows you to understand the, 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 the complex neural architecture that exists within the brain and the emergent property that is consciousness that comes from that. I don't think that it allows you to understand ecosystems any better and the complex food web that exists in that system. I don't think that it allows you to understand nature any better because nature itself is a complex system. So even if you had a grand unified theory, I believe that it may help but it is only the first step in actually understanding um, a lot of the other aspects of our world. And keep in mind that human beings are a part of nature. Uh, we this is not this is not an entity that we can escape from. Uh, 
so uh it, like we we can say oh yes well now i now i know exactly how black holes work great you know exactly how black holes work that could be really good there could be really promising technology that comes from that excellent yeah and i'm not saying that that wouldn't be like like a huge boon to the human race if if we could figure this stuff out but that doesn't mean that we understand suddenly like the whole universe because the grand unified theory does not help you in understanding complex systems with emergent properties. I believe that that is just a fact. And I just wanted to express that. There's an old, like, uh, I'm not sure if this comes from Buddhism or more like uh, wishy-washy kind of self-help school of modernism, but... There's just something about this that seems generally correct to me. And it's this adage that states, the menu is not the meal. Now, that might seem... I like that adage. I really like that. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah, that might seem overly simplistic. But if you think about that for a moment... This goes into what you were talking about, about the emergent systems. Like, okay, from this very simple adage, what can we conclude? Um, like you were talking about with the Grand Unified Theory. And does this or doesn't this help with the comprehension of emergent systems? I would probably be inclined to agree with you that it doesn't. For the reason that... Any type of axiomatic, axiomatically and logically coherent and consistent theories or theorems you could come up with to describe these natural phenomenon have a very strict and clearly defined upper limit that is axiomatically instantiated, where, as far as I'm aware, maybe you as the evolutionary biologist could shed some light on this, it doesn't seem that... The potential of evolution itself has such a axiomatically instantiated upper limit in the same way that a logical, coherent system like a scientific theory has to have by necessity. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, there are seldom few laws in, um, let's say, the beast that is nature. And uh, those laws can be described as uh, uh, evolution is a thing. So you know you have um, you have a replicator. Uh, the replicator uh, can mutate, and the replicator is selected uh, by its environment. Those are really uh, the laws that exist. And once you once you are like th those those cannot be changed. Those are the laws of that system. But outside of those laws, uh, it 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 uh, complex systems can exhibit all sorts of laws. Some of the laws aren't even logical, uh, at least to a human, uh, but they still work. Uh, that's that's just that's that's a thing about complex systems. It's a thing about emergent properties. It 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 they are uh, transcendent. I believe, I believe they are, they have a certain transcendence from just base logic. Um. I would even add to that and say they necessarily have 
a transcendental component that is beyond base logic. And there's actually a mathematical theorem that proves this axiomatically, otherwise known as Gödel's incompleteness theorem. In order to say that mathematics, any mathematical statement is true, requires a transcendental truth claim that cannot be ultimately verified within the axiomatic system that is mathematics itself. It must come externally from some type of mind, which is, in this case, barring other possibilities, is ultimately a human mind saying that... This theorem is true, because if a human doesn't say that that theorem is true, then one plus one does not equal two. So I, I completely agree with you on this point, and I, I would like to expand it further. Um, I think that uh, uh, there is an incompleteness to uh, math and also probably uh, uh, human logic and reasoning. There is, an in, there is a fundamental incompleteness to it. Um, what I would... My, my guess, and it, I think it would actually be impossible for me to logically argue this. Like, literally impossible, based off of like what we're talking about. It's impossible for me to set out the logical terms by which to actually argue this logically. So all I can say is that my guess, my gut feeling here, is that uh, the complex emergent properties that exist within nature are not incomplete. And you understand how I can't argue that uh, rationally. But that would be my guess. My gut feeling is that that is the case. Well, considering the fact that as far as we're aware, I pay very close attention to this wording because this is a bit freaky. Nature, as far as we are aware, within the bounds of this universe that we inhabit, is not only complete, but the boundaries of the universe that we inhabit literally represent utter and total totalizing completeness in itself. The universe is all that there is, it is utterly and totally complete, unless you want to break off into some type of multiversal fractals, but if you do that, you kind of fall into this infinite fractal universe, which is also ultimately going to end up as necessary, complete and totalizing in itself, too. So, I do personally know, don't see any way out of that. Do you know what it's almost as though? It's almost as though um, mathematical equations are like a holographic representation of what reality is and those holographic representations that we make can never be complete because they are not identical to reality they are a a model of reality uh whereas reality itself that actually does have the capacity to be complete because it's just it is it just is what it is when we try to represent things in in this like like when 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 you try to represent things in the form of like mathematical equations you lose some amount of information you lose some of the dimensions of the system and so i think that that's where you actually get incompleteness where when it comes to say nature 
it's a thing that exists within the system. There is no abstraction. It is the system. It is something that grew from the system. It is part of of this uh, this space that we occupy, and therefore it is complete. And actually, you know, thinking about it that way, it's like it, it would be hubris to assume that uh, that our uh, mathematical representations of this more complicated reality would be complete ever, right? Because that would be like saying that, uh, you know, I'm going to build a hologram of this world and the hologram itself is going to make, like, complete sense. No, that that that's not the case. Like, I, it would... I'm not sure that that would ever be the case. Uh, so... I think I think that you and I are thinking along the same lines. Um... But I wanted to I wanted to hammer out uh, uh, unless you had something else to say about that I wanted to hammer out a, a couple other uh, ideas. I will say to wrap that up in a neat bow, no pun intended, that that ultimately horseshoes back around to how I started this by saying that the menu is not the meal, or in other words, the model of reality isn't reality in totality. Exactly, it necessarily can't be, or it wouldn't be a model. If you had a model that was, like, utterly and totally totalizing in that way, you would just have a parallel universe. You would have literally created a pocket universe unto itself. Now, okay, I, I want to... I then have to say this. Um, any, uh, uh, any empiricists out there, any uh, scientific realists out there that are listening to this, they will probably say, um, Harumph, I... The how else are we going to try to understand the universe but through models, right? Like, it sounds as though um, we're critiquing uh, uh, science, and yet science appears to be the the only tool by which we can actually attempt to understand reality. So, like, why are you, why are you critiquing the one tool that we have? Um, so, and I would say to that criticism that. Uh... Your models of reality, well, I could be very mythopoetic about this and say there are more things in heaven and earth than dreamt of of your philosophy, but I could also say in a much more down-to-earth way that your models of reality can, for all intents and purposes, be very accurate representations of the potentiality of reality as far as you currently understand it. Now, in order to argue with that, you ultimately have to get into this domain where you would literally consider yourself an omniscient god that can know everything about everything, everywhere all at once. Hey, that wasn't a pun, but it kind of worked out. Right. My, my position here is that I, uh, I respect the scientific method, and I think that the scientific method has uh, given us uh, quite a bit. It's a very powerful tool that we have. Uh, but it is not perfect, and that's really the only thing that I, that I want to get across. It's that this tool that we're using, it is not a perfect tool. By definition, it cannot be a perfect tool. And so uh, you can rely on the tool... And relying on the tool has, has been very bountiful for humans. But you you can't have strict reliance on it. You cannot start to think that it itself is the truth. Because it is not. It is a tool by which we try to gleam what the truth is. But 
the conclusions that it comes to, uh, they they are not fundamentally truth. Uh, this is something that we uh, that we learned, I think, very well collectively, uh, with the with the whole uh, 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 Fauci ouchie. Uh, just because a government official is saying that they have used science to determine a thing, that doesn't mean that that is what reality is. That doesn't mean that that's what truth is. It just it it just means that that is in that particular circumstances what the tool said was up and down. That's it. That's all. That's all that you can gather from that. And really, my critique here is against scientism, where instead of thinking of science as a tool that humans can use, people start to think of science as an ideology, as as a as a mechanism of what truth is. And I think that. That is the mistake. That is the human um, hubris and arrogance, uh, and you you don't want to fall into that. I mean, I, 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 I've I've done lots of science in my day. I I, I have I, like I, but I, so I, I I know I know a little bit about science. I know a tiny bit, and uh, it just it's not a it's not a an entity that you can gain truth from. It's an entity that you can gain. Um, statistically reliable facts from and that's it I'm, I'm probably gonna sound a bit platonic when i put it like this and we could probably go into other arguments about what you just said but that's probably this particular show isn't probably the place for that because those are whole other cans of worms but uh insofar as science is concerned and this is going to sound really platonic but if we consider what is the most perfect scientist, not scientismist, the perfect scientist, and you would probably agree with these attributes, must be at once skeptical and inquisitive and amenable to new forms of information that may... I contradict in part or in whole their current understanding. You would probably agree with those essential at three attributes of what a good scientist should be. Absolutely. Okay. Now, the problem you have with, like, uh, the type of totalizing, all-encompassing theorem is, like, once you know, like, a grand unified theory that you know how everything works all the time is that if if such a thing were possible, whatever would come to that theory by definition as we've laid out the attributes of the perfect scientist wouldn't be scientific by its very nature because once you have a perfect theory of knowledge like totalizing all-encompassing knowledge by necessity you are no longer inquisitive you are no longer skeptical because this is a perfect model you're no longer inquisitive because you found it already and there's nothing else to look for and you're no longer amenable to new information because you have a 100% accurate model of everything right now so whatever that is that has that knowledge is not a scientist that is true and uh from from the perspective of someone who believes in scientism Maybe they think that they have found that knowledge, and therefore they're allowed to be dog dogmatic. However, uh, I believe that, like, from a uh, from like a a principle 
thing about the universe. Uh, we will never have perfect knowledge of anything. And so uh, all the way up until the heat death of the universe, I believe that there can still be scientists because you, I, I don't think that humans will ever be able to have perfect knowledge of, of the cosmos. As the scientist suffers from the eternal bane that all of their models are necessarily, by their very nature, incomplete. So a scientist is an eternal incompleteness ever searching for greater and greater and greater fulfillment. Yeah, it's actually, uh, it's, it's almost like the, the first thing that I would think to compare that to would be like a Buddhist seeking enlightenment, right? Like they can never achieve it, but they keep pursuing it. Well, that's like a whole other can of worms. Like technically, okay, the weird thing about Buddhism is when you get that level of enlightenment, for all intents and purposes, you effectively cease to exist as far as the karmic cycle is concerned. So that is a literal transcendence from a skeptical inquirer into a new realm of comprehension that would no longer fit into anything as discrete as a scientific model. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, if we want to have a Buddhism discussion, that might be a different show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe we, we don't get into that on this show. I think that, uh, that gets into meta modernism and some of my more kooky ideas, but for right now, we probably have other things to talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so there's, uh, there's, there's that bit. Um, uh, I I was gonna bring up the notion of free will, but I think that that is uh, kind of a uh, maybe we can save that to to uh, next week because uh, that that I I can tell that that's gonna be that's gonna be like a fucking hour long conversation in and of itself. Okay, well the only things I'll say about that is if you are a staunch materialist, you necessarily can't believe in free will, and if you're a a staunch esotericist or a spiritualist, what you ultimately end up saying is that either free, free will is endowed upon you by some greater transcendental force, or free will in like the Jungian sense and conception of God would be something like an emergent property from a previously more simplistic system that ultimately leads to greater forms of complexity, but built upon simple rules. Because in the Jungian conception of God, God himself is, doesn't possess free will, and God is ultimately incomplete in that way. So in order for God to self-complete, he has to seat a capacity for free will in, in reverse order, where we are like a higher order of understanding above mere mathematics and discrete logical axiomatic systems. God is working in reverse order in that he's so totalizing and complete, he's utterly incapable of free will. So in order for free will to exist in the universe, he has to step it down into humans that kind of sort of think they have free will, but they lack the comprehension to realize they technically don't because they're not as totalizingly comprehensive as God. Um, yeah, that's, uh, I, 
that's that's a that's a big conversation. Uh, I think yeah, that, that, that's that's another show's worth of shit right there. Uh, I think that maybe that's a good place a good place to end it. Um, I uh, I realize that uh, this may be an important thing to say, but uh, if you if you if you like the conversation that uh, uh, that that we have, if you want to support the channel. Um, be sure to like and subscribe. Really, really fucking smash that like button or whatever it is that people say. Uh, I don't know. I did. I hate saying that. I but... say annihilate that like button. Like treat that like button like a Puerto Rican whore that you vet on shore leave. There, there you go. Yeah, I, I hate, I hate saying that kind of shit. But uh, what, I, what I've heard is that it's, it's, it's important to say that at the, at the end of the clip because it actually helps it or it doesn't help people it 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 uh, it persuades people to actually hit like and subscribe so if you if you like what we're doing fucking hit like like and subscribe i i uh, fucking corporate shill i uh, but uh yeah god uh, you're such a shill disliked unsubbed fake it gay yeah dude i fucking i fucking hate it man uh but uh, with that, uh, that will be me signing off. Um, uh, we're uh, going to go to the after show where we will be uh, discussing uh, Fight Club, uh, which is a tremendous movie. Um, but uh, with that, uh, I will uh, be saying uh, uh, adios. Uh, Breaker, uh, anything else that you'd like to say? Uh, God is nowhere to be found among the works of men it can only be discovered once you realize that humans are for all intents and purposes mostly full of shit <laughs> all right and with that uh peace out everybody <laughs>